OTB GAA. I think it has become a little bit sanitized. You need somebody to bring a bit of color and wit and enthusiasm. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. The news round on Off the Ball with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave with your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Now then, you're welcome along. So Monday's off the ball and to say we are busy is an understatement. We will get some hurling chat for you in the second hour. Also after eight o'clock, we will talk to Matt Williams and Jerry Thornley about an extraordinary, epic Heineken Champions Cup final at the Aviva Stadium. La Rochelle from 17 points down, back from the dead to win and break Leinster hearts once again. This hour, Gavin Casey from the 42 will join us to talk about Katie Taylor's defeat at the hands of Chantelle Cameron at Three Arena on Saturday night. And then a football show will feature Jonathan Wilson talking about the weekend that was and Graham Hunter about... I was going to say they're shocking scenes, but they're kind of very much in keeping scenes. But uh, you'll take the point when I say shocking. Uh, racist abuse of Vinicius Jr. He was in tears on the pitch. It was beyond ugly. And at 22 years of age, this is just um, the latest in a litany. 53106 is the text number. We are at Off The Ball on Twitter. Richie McCormack, evening to you. Hello. Evening, gents. How are you? Very well. And welcome back, Mr. Michael McCarthy. Hello. Hi, Joe. Hi, Richie. That's pretty much as crazy, busy a weekend as there is in the Irish sporting calendar. It's a perfect culmination of uh, several sports. Throw in Katie Taylor as well. I mean, we had no chance. Throw in watching like copious amounts of major golf on top yeah, of all sorry. that as well. Me of all people. <laughs> you know, and it's like, and I, I watch like my evenings from Friday on. Well, I watched hers as well, but if you take the weekend and how mad it was, like the evenings were completely taken up outside of the Katie fight by the golf. Yeah. And you were all day and you're trying, you're watching like Premier League and, you know, there's playoffs on all over the place that you yeah. kind of can't keep, you can't keep your eyes off as well because they're all crazy. Like watching the Sheffield Wednesday game, the other, was that Thursday or Friday? I can't yeah, even yeah. remember at this stage. No, it's that a lot. Absolute chaos. Yeah, so, I mean, as a sports show, we should mention Brooks Kepka has overtaken Roy McIlroy on the major front. Five majors, yeah. yeah. So five, put some level with Seve. Uh, he's back. I mean, he's the scary... I don't care about what's in front of me, Brooks, of 2018-19, who won four majors double quick. I mean, the man's walk. Would you not be embarrassed to walk like that? <laughs> I don't know what you mean. It's the most alpha cowboy John Wayne ah, walk. That's just, yeah, you couldn't, I suppose just you couldn't go to the local shop and get a pint of milk. You're saying it's not natural. Like I think it's quite affected. You have to but learn. If you're, I don't know, if you're Brooks Kepke, and you've got all of that testosterone, uh, legally, of course, I should say, uh, <laughs> anyone makes a joke all of that beef all that beef um, and you're you know now five time major winner I guess you can pull it off if I was to walk around like that <clears throat> I'm not quite sure it would uh, work I do, that's normally you, what happens when you stroll into the studio here whatever time it is, that's, you know, true. It's like, that's true get out of here you truly haven't been to Northside Shopping Centre in a while either Joe to be honest if you haven't seen that walk that walk Logan. fair enough um, I, oh, yeah. I, I do remember being at an Irish Open about a decade ago now and uh, Neil Lahern works in the communications office there and uh, I think he's subsequently moved on great guy and I remember chatting to him and he was saying there's a guy on the challenge tour it's unusual like an American who's flown over he's playing on the like this is the second tier tour of uh, the European tour he's really good just honestly remember the name Brooks Kepke, and it was an unusual name so I was like Brooks Kepke, okay mm. if you had told me then in 2013 going on 14 
that he would be the first to reach five majors ahead of Roy McIlroy. I always Ten said. years, yeah. Ah, come on. But uh, super impressive win. Sorry, I mentioned the golf. There, to be honest, <laughs> that's all the golf we're talking about tonight. That's our golf wrap done. Another person with that super walk, impressive. Joe, is uh, that annoying fan who kept standing up and getting in the way of all the other fans at the Katie Taylor fight. Oh my the god! Weekend. Sit yeah. down, Conor McGregor. Uh, he didn't. Yeah, you know, he was just the annoying fan. I think wasn't uh, he? Why? Did unidentified he fan standing. I did think. Will the person behind him be brave enough to go? Here, mate. Those tickets were expensive. <laughs> I can't see the fight. <laughs> Sit down, please. I'm not sure I would have. So, uh, Katie Taylor, we're talking to Gavin Casey this hour. Like, in some ways, I was thinking a loss like that can almost diminish a legend or a legacy. I almost felt, and the arena all like rose when she was addressed by the interviewer in the ring. I don't think it's that kind of loss. In some ways, it just further underlines the point that Gav, who'll be with us, and lots of people made the week in advance of the fight, that this is such a high-risk choice of opponent and you're going up a weight and yeah. I was saying you're fine in Dublin don't take on that kind of fight just have the Hogan coming and dispatch of a body and uh, I think the reaction in the arena when the interviewer tur- turned to her almost encapsulated that sense of appreciation like you're just a freak athlete you're like your integrity here is off the charts yeah. that you chose this fight so uh, do not feel in any way like your legacy has been diminished I think it's been burnished further by that choice pretty interesting first thing she said was yeah rematch yeah yeah and it's in the contract and so on so if she wants it it'll be there which is interesting and I suppose we'll talk more about that but I have to say my watching the last like four rounds of the fight three rounds of the fight and I thought Katie fought well and especially later on in the fight but it was clear she had lost the fight and I was getting to the stage where it was like I hope they don't give it to her because there's always been this naysayer attitude and I feel it's been uninformed for the most part on Katie's achievements and it's always been there and it gets louder and louder and but she always gets the decisions if she had got yeah. this one Cameron said it in the week of the fight I know I know I know and I think it's been unfair I think there's been probably the, the, you know the first pursuit fight I think debatable I've watched that fight back I thought she did win it but you know I, I do understand where that comes from I don't think it's ever happened other than that right but the uh, you know I just didn't want that to be the story of the night was that Katie robbed one yeah um, but then you get to the point where you realise the decision is going against her and I, I just felt like a kind of a sadness about it but I have to say my initial thought is exactly what you said it, it's the opposite of don't take that easy fight don't just take your homecoming she's trying to achieve something yeah. in the sport and she's you know she's the age she is at the moment you know she's got that working against her she's going up in weight and she's going against an undisputed undefeated world champion you know everything was working against her but I think that's the sign of a great champion. I, I, she wanted that fight because she believed she could win it. And it's everything that's wrong with boxing. Yeah. You know, there was a decision, a, a, a really controversial decision in a massive fight in America. Um, Lomachenko lost, you know, arguments about robbery, so on and so forth, you know, on Saturday night, right? Katie lost the fight she's supposed to lose as a hometown, um, you know, star. And that was, that was there was no controversy there. And then she took she took on the big fight, which nobody does yeah. anymore, Joe. I they saw, just don't. No, Boxing is ruined because they won't take the fights on. I saw and a she's lot a of hero for it. Like. People saying she's still the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. She should retire now. I, I read so it's, I've read so many pieces over the last twenty four hours saying there's nothing left to prove. Now is the time to go. So we'll see what Gav thinks at half seven. Uh, lots of texts in on La Rochelle Leinster, which I'll come to in a second. But Richie, uh, there is lots to get through. The news round is with thanks to Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave 
or your money back Neon Night Edition is available now uh, the Premier League it just uh, won't end it won't well soon enough we've got six days to go it's a pivotal night though for both Newcastle and Leicester as they meet in the Premier League Newcastle now a point will secure a return to Champions League football for the first time in two decades while Leicester know a defeat will leave them all but assured of relegation to the Championship kickoff is coming up at 8pm and Leicester manager Dean Smith has uh, taken the odd decision of leaving James Madison on the bench for tonight's game mm. Uh, meanwhile, uh, there is a fallout from the Viva Stadium on Saturday. <clears throat> yeah, fresh details emerging today regarding the halftime fracas at Saturday's Heineken Champions Cup final. The EPCR said they'd be investigating an incident that was believed to involve La Rochelle head coach Ronan O'Gara, his second rower Will Skelton, Jonathan Sexton and Sean O'Brien. Rugby Pass reported this morning that the genesis of the matter was the positioning of Leinster contact skills coach O'Brien manning the entrance to the referee's changing room. It's believed Leinster wanted to avoid a similar incident which was allegedly to have happened at halftime of last year's final between the same teams at Marseille's Stade Velodrome. This rugby pass claim led to exchange words between O'Brien and the La Rochelle contingent, which escalated and was subsequently broken up. Hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) In a less dramatic and less kind of like historic game, this could be such a big story. You know, we could get it. We could dig into this because it's like Sean O'Brien is his own story as well. Like he'll always grab some headlines. But when it's Sexton versus O'Gara, it's like everything we want. And they might not have even crossed paths. When is somebody going to write the Sexton O'Gara play? Incoming. Don't put that out there. It's going to be a musical theater thing. Oh, Johnny. Oh, listen. Oh, God. If Mario Rosenstock hasn't done it yet, he's not. You're just not trying, Mario. I mean, it's waiting for you. What do you want? Them, what more can they do? Um, not to. <laughs> what a terrible final act, though. Is like years later after becoming friends, they have a s- slight dust up in the <laughs> in the, the Viva Tunnel. Not to uh, steal Jerry Thornley's thunder, who's on the way after eight o'clock. But we spoke to him before coming on air, and so uh, his understanding of the general situation is that there is a sense that Ron Nagara, uh, to use. Jerry's phrase got to Wayne Barnes at halftime in last year's final and Leinster were acutely aware that that might be a possibility again and so you saw you know Kerr Barlow was sin binned and Leinster completely atop in the first half and so uh, Ron Nagar was heading in the direction of Jaco Piper's dressing room uh, but Leinster wise to that possibility had stationed bouncer in chief Sean O'Brien there to say sorry mate you're not getting in tonight <laughs> not getting in tonight not, this isn't for you today and uh, then the stakes are upped when Will Skelton, bigger than Sean O'Brien, though I reckon Sean bigger O'Brien, than most people, bigger than everybody, might fancy his chances <laughs> all the same. Uh, he arrived on the scene to support his coach, and then it seems uh, the cherry on the icing, Johnny Sexton, uh, there as well. Pleasantries were exchanged in language we can't repeat. Even we don't know the language, language, but yeah. we, we would imagine we couldn't repeat it before the watershed. All of it, it seems, lasted less than thirty seconds. Now I don't want to let truth get in the way of a great story. So I like to think it was a 10 But those 30 seconds are doing... great, Joe. Those 30 <laughs> seconds are enough. Yeah. yeah. You can fit a lot, into, you can fit a lot into a good 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, you can. Yeah. I did, like, by the way, going in and knocking on a dressing room's door, a, a referee's door at halftime when you're a coach, I think is probably one of those things that's done. So it's fine. It's probably not the end of the world. It should be the most banned thing in sport. <laughs> You know, it's like absolutely awful. <laughs> but again, I don't think it is completely abnormal in no. rugby. So I don't like I'm not accusing O'Gara of anything. I just think it should be one of those things that is completely off limits. You yeah. know, like 
what are you going to say to him here you got that decision wrong or your 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 refereeing was wrong or something like that during the game is absolutely not time for that so many aspects of that game to get into with the lads after eight o'clock but uh, talk about a continuation of a trend for Leinster and for O'Gara it's um just extraordinary um it's wild that it was the same game that we were told it would be if you know what I mean like the, the La Rochelle how they would beat Leinster would be to do this yeah. and it's what happened and you just take away the fact that Leinster scored three tries in the first 15 that minutes unbelievable. it's like as if that never happened now the noise in that stadium yeah. it's like a wave I just feel like any other team would have said okay we understand it's not our day yes. and just rolled over exactly steel in that team it's extraordinary and for Leinster I don't know where it leaves them I mean that's scar tissue upon scar tissue uh, Lancaster goes maybe Niana Barr as a fresh voice can now say well look fellas I know how to get you over the line here defence is how we do it and that, that fresh voice might imbue them with a belief but uh, I almost think that change is very positive now because I think it's very difficult for Lancaster to stand up in, the f- in front of the same group of players and to say I've got the plan guys because mm. they don't like this is in each uh, instance over the last however many years you could point to didn't take our chances in Newcastle. I thought Saracens were just way better than them in that game. But, you know, yeah, Ringrose had a pass. If he'd given it, who knows? And right the way through to Saturday's game, if X, Y and Z had happened, who knows? Yeah, there's a lot of X, Y and Zs on Saturday. More, it's, In some ways, they're getting closer. Yes. You know, but... In other ways. Like, I mean, they're, you know... It's the way Leinster are positioned. It's like however many Grand Slam winners in there. It's the fact that they dominate the league. It's the fact that they dominate the Champions Cup. Like, dominate it. You know, like, as in, you have to feel that if they're going into these finals, not to lose a one-point game and be, you know, oh, you know, these things happen. It's, you know, close margins. Of course it is close margins, but they're positioning themselves as a team that should be going out and winning these by 20 points. That's unfair, but it is the narrative, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like they get tested once a year and don't seem to be able to react accordingly. Just to mention, by the way, because I was at the game and I was uh, looking down on that group of La Rochelle. I mean, I, I, you would say fans, but they were basically friends and family and kids, you know. And honestly, I, I've never seen such a visceral reaction from people in a stadium ever. And I think it's exacerbated by the fact that they were just surrounded by blue but I, it speaks to the culture O'Gara has created there. Like all the wives and girlfriends are just so obviously very tight with each other and talking throughout the game and uh, just willing the team over the line. Um, but in in the last like three, four minutes when it becomes apparent that La Rochelle are going to win, honestly, they're all weeping. They're not, mm. they're not crying. They're not cheering. It is like the most raw, visceral emotion. I, I, I can't, I can't, it's, it's hard to get it over the line, like turning around to each other and just weeping, howling. Wow. And, and all the kids are there. And, and so the wives and the girlfriends, and the kids, they have the name of their respective father or husband or boyfriend on uh, the back of the jersey, which is a lovely touch. And, you know, I looked at one stage and you can see like Roger's son is just like, Balling. I'd say he knows more about rugby than half the stadium and then the rest, you know. But like he's completely overcome. Yeah. Ronan's wife is there. And then he beckons his mother down. Stuart tried to stop his mother getting onto the pitch. Oh, no way. Stuart lost that battle pretty quick <laughs> when Ronan got on the scene. And then at another stage, Ronan's trying to get everyone on. And Stuart was saying, no, no, no. And at one stage, like O'Gara's picking up these little bodies and handing them over and onto the pitch. Away you go. But like the whole thing, it just spoke of... Closeness. Oh, man. And, and you know, like, 
like us all in our work, you go home, who do you, who do you talk to? You talk to your spouse. So if the word back to the spouses was, not sure about this coach, bit of a spoofer, or yeah. not sure about the culture in here, don't like the environment, not happy, you just wouldn't have what they have. Honestly, it's my enduring image of like a day packed with images is that yeah. La Rochelle celebration. Honestly, it was off the charts. And it's like it's, you know, the double side of being a coach is the tactical side and the coaching side. And then that, the management, the are you here for us? Kind of what sort of a group are we? And, you know, he's got both of them in spades. And it's like, I, I don't think we've even come to terms. I don't think we've even realised the achievement that our own Ron Nocara, you know, the person that we've known for his rugby achievements, he's done something that very, very few coaches have ever done mm-hmm. in history. And he feels like he's still a young coach as well. You know, it's his first full time. It's his first you know, yeah. head coaching job. It's only two, and it's two absolutely years. unbelievable. And you wouldn't rule him out doing the double now as well. Like, you know, yeah. like, I mean, there's a big, big couple of weeks to go as well in their season. Yeah. Um, absolutely phenomenal. Like, it's really hard to get your head around. Yeah, it is nuts. Uh, loads of text coming into 53106. I'll get to them in a sec. Rich, St. Pat's. Yeah, they've confirmed John Daly as their new permanent manager. The former Dundee United striker was placed in interim charge earlier this month following Tim Clancy's departure. Since then, Pats have won three out of four to move up to fourth in the SSE or Tristy Permanent Division. They beat Shelburne at Talca Park on Friday night and they welcome Dundalk to Richmond Park this coming Friday. The uh, Pats chairman, Gary Kelleher, says that they went through a thorough recruitment process before appointing Clancy. And it's uh, reported, uh, David Snade in the 42, saying the two former Republic of Ireland internationals were passed over in favour of Daly. Uh, so some texts in, fellas. I'll throw them out to you. Claire and Dublin, nobody should be telling Katie Taylor to retire. She's built what she's built on her own judgment. She's no fool. She understands her limit for far greater than any casual onlooker. Yeah, the pieces I read were very well-intentioned. Yeah, Vincent Hogan wrote a really good piece. I would generally agree, though, that, you know, like, people make their own decisions on these things. And we are we are often very quick to write a narrative that isn't necessarily a sports person's you know, what they want to fund their career. I accept you know? that totally, and you're dead right. The only qualm I have with Claire's point is when it's boxing, there's such a long history of boxers not knowing when to get out. Yeah, and also it's, fair, it's a combat fair. sport. It's not like Johnny Sexton playing a year longer or a footballer saying, oh, you know, I'll play one more year in the Premier League. It's like, I'm going to get in there and take punishment. For that, I completely agree, actually. What I was going to... What, what, and, and you're right, actually, and I shouldn't overlook that. What I meant, though, is in terms of, like, protecting legacy and records... I think her legacy and her record is what it is and I think if she loses a couple of fights at the end of her career because she's still thriving for that that's her decision you know but the combat part of it I think is very fair actually yeah I don't think Katie's taken too much kind of like punishment over the years in that type of way her body obviously has taken a lot as well but yeah I don't you don't really need to you don't really need to either like it could be just be that one extra punch that kind of yeah fair is the difference between a normal life and tragedy really no you're right and that's you know 20 years of sparring isn't it as well Rich like I saw uh, yeah. Tony Bellew talking on Sam Jordan's podcast and he was he was doing the maths and adding up all the um, training and he reckons he's taken a million punches to the head so you think about that for a minute and he was saying he was saying <clears throat> Simon I know what's coming I'm under no illusions what's coming it's like amazing to say it so bluntly yeah uh, so uh, somebody else says, anyone going to ask questions about Leo Cullen or Stuart Lancaster after this defeat? Either the whole team is overhyped by the Irish media or these guys have some explaining to do, says Frank in Tipperary. Oh, they lost by a point after winning the majority of their matches all season. Yeah, yeah but the only one, the only 
match that mattered really like I mean they sacrificed the URC last week that was a decision made there's plenty of questions asked as and, and you know I know Joe you touch on it in Monday Night Rugby there's plenty of questions asked as to whether that was the best preparation for this week by playing a virtual second team against Munster last week sacrificing the URC in, in, in the process I think that how they didn't once again adapt to that big man team who's whose entire uh, uh, way of playing was always going to be to wear Leinster down. It was four times more tackles last year. I don't know if it was too far off this year. And, you know, they either had to get their exits right, which they've said they didn't, or they need to play a different way and not kick the ball away constantly to invite La Rochelle onto them. I think there's absolutely questions. Does it undermine everything they've done? Or do we need, like, we don't need to have big dramatic statements about how they've, you know, failed or whatever. But, like, did they lose this game because of the players, the coach, it's all part of the same yeah. thing. There's absolutely questions as to why they lost, you know? Yeah. So uh, a few more texts before we get back to some other stories. Katie should absolutely <coughs> get out. She's almost 37, could take that uh, extra punch. Her legacy is written. She could have retired after 2012 and still been a legend. Anonymous texting, I'm a proud Leinster person, also a big fan of Raj. And despite the disappointment last year, I took some consolation that he was at the helm. This year, however, his tone has frustrated me. This small team thing the eye contact thing why continue that narrative after a brilliant win is it just me or has this impacted the potential for Raj to coach Ireland with the majority of Leinster players to me he's been a bit less than gracious in victory is you know, there's something in that perhaps like he's definitely <laughs> gone to war with them after the game as well um, Mike says what did you make of the Leinster fans on Saturday kind of felt the team needed more of them when the team was struggling that's Mike a Leinster fan from afar you were there I thought um, a horrible mood took over the stadium and a sense of foreboding took over the stadium. For, you know, and it's tough. La Rochelle camped in the Leinster um, half for so much of it. I, I still thought like there was an enormous noise when Leinster were defending on the line and they were like being encouraged. And then when Leinster went up the other end and it looked like for all the world they were going to win, it was deafening as well. So I like it felt fairly mad to me the whole time. I wouldn't say it was quiet. Uh is it ironic Leinster have too many good players? They can rest players too often. They don't have those back-to-the-wall matches that weaker teams have. Delighted for O'Gara, Ryan, Alton Delan. Yeah, that would be fair a question, I think. theme of the conversation later on. Forget O'Gara. Liam Cahill deserves all the praise you'll hand out to coaches this evening. What he's done to Tipperary in a matter of months. Incredible. Jason. With the injuries and retirements that they have as well. is like their injury profile is nightmarish or other counties would consider it nightmarish and the amount of retirements they had as well is is something else so what yeah. he's managed to put together so far underline the so far is, is pretty impressive uh, they, they drew a home game yeah I'll just say sorry Tip have been really impressive and we'll talk about them a little bit later and the turnaround from where they were is unbelievable but I think there's actually a little bit too much <laughs> of like Limerick are either finished and you know and then Tip didn't beat them there's two narratives happening at the same time that don't correlate because okay. it was a draw you know, I personally think that both the tip have stepped up to Limerick's level and Limerick maybe have stepped very, very slightly, but not as much as what people are saying, you know? Yeah. Uh, what about the Westmeath hurlers? Somebody fairly asks. I know it's hard to get through everything. There's a million things we haven't mentioned so far. Uh, one last text, by the way. I met loads of Munster fans on Saturday supporting La Raj Shell, is uh, how it's uh, spelled here. Uh, and for their sake, I hope two things happen. <laughs> one oh god I hope Raj gets the England job and they have to choose to support Ireland or England in the future two I hope they get hosed on Saturday in the URC final oh my god that's prior, fine the second part is absolutely prior, fine prior to Saturday I have always supported Munster when they played why 
anyone but Leinster or Connacht I guess is an Irish rugby fan but I witnessed too many of them cheering for the French side on Saturday really odd behaviour Langers says the texture it's a bit of rivalry it's a bit of sporting rivalry it's ab- I, I always think so much is made out of this not least by Ger Gilroy <laughs> and Adrian <laughs> Barry right I'll say it right now they, they, had, they had their say on OTBM about this a few weeks ago I don't understand what the problem is it's they're not you're not from Leinster they're your biggest rivals surely you want them to lose nobody's going around saying Manchester United have to support Liverpool in the final because for English football <laughs> do you know what I mean it's Irish rugby not a bit different to English football uh, f- like it depends though it, 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 like it is for me right because of whatever Munster, like yeah. I would be nominally a Munster fan I kind of generally want all the four Irish problems to do well because you think of it almost on an international level first but not everybody doesn't not everybody does like, not most of the people who are there as Leinster fans no, I get think it. that way I, either I, I do get it I, I do. hope they don't want Munster to win because that's part of the, on, on the weekend that's, that's all part of the same thing Munster Munster fans honestly it, it would show how far Munster have fallen if Leinster wanted to win the URC because good old Munster fair play to you you know getting back on the and what about the course. argument that like that Leinster team that's like a big bulk of the Irish team you want to see those lads get a kicking I don't know do you know it's not that you want to get them kicking but like do you, do you not support them then when they wear green is that not just part of the sport like it's not, <laughs> not life or death you know yeah. yeah, I understand it but I don't know what like he's really hurt about it there like you know very that upset. I hope Roger gets <laughs> the England job like, you know <laughs> <laughs> um, Rich can we just touch because I think we're going to get to yeah. it with um, Graeme later yeah. on who's, who's thoroughly disgusted by the whole situation I could read out the litany and it is a litany of um incidents where a 22 year old has had to deal with racism it feels like on his own that yeah. feels to be changing after last night thankfully is the word but um, the, w- what is the story on Vinicius? Yeah the Valencia prosecutor's office has opened an investigation into the racist abuse suffered by Vinicius Jr. at the Mestalla yesterday. Real Madrid reported the incidents to the authorities after their game was halted for 10 minutes when the Brazilian highlighted the abuse. Valencia say they've already banned one fan for life and are working to identify others who were involved Vinicius Jr. claimed after the game on social media that both La Liga and Spain as a whole were racist. In response, La Liga president Javier Tebas criticised Vinicius Jr.'s previous engagement following reports of racism. But FIFPRO, the global union of professional footballers, have called for an overhaul of the three-step response to racist abuse abuse when it occurs within games. Yeah, Ancelotti was saying game should have been off. Referee should have, yeah. forget this three-step, you know, and make an announcement and, and plead to these morons. Oh, here's another chance to make another... Stop, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really so, yeah. Um, Madrid police. Sorry, I was just gonna say, like, it is dreadful when you see the guy in tears. Like at 22, he needs to be really looked after now. It's it's gone beyond the realm of of anything I can remember any individual suffering in recent times. Yeah, he alluded to it, but I wonder should he get out of Spain? You know, well, like, I mean, I don't, I don't like that idea that somebody goes and you know, they win almost, and yeah. whatever. But like, you know. Uh, for his for his own sake, I mean, you know, depends what what he wants to do about it. Does he want to be someone that's a voice on this and that that's fine? But he's gonna have to like, it's really unfair. Like, I mean, and even when people are defending him, it's like he is the center of all of these conversations yeah. all of the time, and all he's just doing, as you said, he's a young lad right. playing football and being one of the best players in the world. And mm. this is what we're always talking about when it comes to Vinicius. It's awful. Yeah, Graham like it's so sad that on. because he talks about him because he makes a stand it invites it yeah there's a reason he's the one black player who gets this constantly you know like he's not the, he's not the only one in La Liga yeah and it's because he comments on it and because it affects him you know it's absolutely it's one of the grimmest stories that there is in sport at the moment yeah Graeme Hunter with us in the football show and uh, final one then evening regarding the 
complete capitulation of Leinster, says Martin Galway <laughs> in the uh, second half. He says, there goes your World Cup semi-final. You'll do well to get out of the group now. The mental scar will go deep. Doubt and fear are now on the menu. I have heard this said a lot, Martin. Has, has I mean, Galway seceded, by the way? I was going to say you. The rest of the country, yeah. Uh, I've heard this a lot. <laughs> to be fair, the La Rochelle defeat in the Heineken Champions Cup didn't stop the Irish team winning a series away to New Zealand that summer. So I think let's chill a bit on that. They're yeah. a different team. And like, you know, uh, they gave away a penalty on the line yeah. that was missed by, that was caught, like, you know. Do you think Sexton, though, I mean, we talked about it in our preview and we'll talk about it again afterwards. Uh, like, they really, Ireland need him. It's just the truth. Yeah. Uh, with That's not being disparaging about anybody. Pat and Ace, I was at the match. Leinster very good. Why didn't they take the penalty at the end? Poor game management. And the, I felt Such the wind was into him. I, I didn't think that kick was on being there. I really did The didn't. drop? Uh, no, they, there was a penalty where they declined. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah, but he yeah. does add, they didn't work a drop goal at the death. That's unacceptable. I agree with that. I was I was at a I was at a, the, the middle lads communion. So I was watching the last five minutes on my phone on a restaurant table. I'm watching that play almost being set up not set up yeah. I presumed there was no half on the pitch because they didn't go for it because I, I didn't have any sound and I was like I, why why aren't they going for a it's drop it's so here? strange and, Richie yeah. as, as, uh, my eyes were on him the whole time Ross Byrne yeah. he never got in the pocket yeah. it didn't make sense honestly it was it was strange you know and I, m- maybe there was some reason why he didn't but I couldn't tell you what it was it, so like you're really adding to your middle child's complex there it's his bloody communion <laughs> he all he doesn't care if, if the rugby is 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 not his concern. His concern was getting multiple Lego sets as a result of his ill-gotten gains from reaching that sacrament. The middle, the middle child struggles for attention as is. You he know? doesn't. Okay. <laughs> is, this, doesn't. is this uh, is this speaking from experience? No, I'm the eldest. But the, oh, you're the eldest. Sorry, the middle child always. That's a phenomenon. Yeah. If you're a middle child, oh, is, you're yeah. like attention yeah, yeah, starved. Yeah. Well, you are. That's ah, just one of those things. That's it's every family dynamic is different, Joe. No, I think middle child syndrome. (laughs) Richie watching the rugby. Dad, what's wrong with that? There isn't an event I've been to, including my own wedding, where I wasn't watching sport. (laughs) He was was hip deep in a chocolate brownie at that time. It didn't matter to him. He was happy enough. He wanted you out of the picture anyway. 100%. Um, Right, we are out of time. We're going to talk to Katie Taylor next with Gav and we've got Monday Night Rugby after 8 o'clock. Richie, thank you very much. Nice, Nice and lads. Cheers. Michael, thank you. Thank you.